It's October 14th, 1995, and Hand in My Pocket by Alanis Morissette is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart. Hello, and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I am Quillen. I'm Trav. I'm Al, and this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 90s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April 1994. Today, we'll be talking about Hand in My Pocket, the second single from Alanis Morissette's third album, Jagged Little Pill. Hand inside of my pocket spent just one <laughs> week at the top of the modern rock chart. Here is a clip. Sorry, I was trying to be funny and I made myself laugh. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. What did you all uh what did you all think I hand in my pocket? It's good. Neat. Yeah, it's a good song. It's cool. What stood out to you? Hmm. Uh everything I don't know. I, everything about it is good. Um good uh guitar playing, good beat, good melodies. I think um did we talk uh in the uh uh the the you ought to know episode did we talk about like the p- potential of that being synth bass on this song i feel like we touched on it for very a second. briefly yeah um i know we talked about it on other songs too um yeah i i think it is and it's cool sounding um and it was something i definitely didn't notice um before um spending time with jagged little pill um more recently but yeah i don't know cool just cool song good so you, you think synth bass i do i do okay. i think also think synth bass i was i thought that originally but the more i sort of looked into it the more i thought it was just a a bass with a chorus on it a bass hmm. guitar with chorus on it i saw a video of somebody covering it and he used a chorus the person used chorus on it and um, it was a headless bass, one of those really oh. funky 80s mm-hmm. futuristic basses without yes. a head at the top. Um, and so I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it is, but there's definitely something distinctive about the bass. Um, yeah, it's a cool sound. Yeah, it is cool. It's probably the coolest thing about the song. I do think the song's pretty broad. Um, I don't know, you know, when you say what stood out to you, I don't know that anything really stands out mm. outside of the vocals and the, the lyrics. Um, it kind of just rides so, a line, right? Like it just yeah. kind of like there's not really any dynamics, and it's just like a, which I think is sometimes that's cool, and I think it's done really well here. It's so simple that I thought of it as a mm. folk song. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I thought of it as like yeah. like a song that like you know going back to like Dylan or whatever in the '60s. Like it's just one 
sort of like chord in the verse and um, not too much going on in the chorus. It's very simple mm-hmm. um, musically. Is it a three chord song? I think so. I, Trev, I agree. And I think um, in the last, uh, in the You Ought to Know episode, I touched on that too. Like with the guitar playing, I think um, one of the things I like about the song is the, um, like the guitar part. And it sounds like a, uh, you know, it's played with like a distorted um, sound, but it's like basically like a, almost like a finger picked sounding like folk, like guitar line. Um, mm. And, uh, so I think, yeah, and on multiple levels, this almost feels like a, a folk song. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, so like, uh, guitar and drum-wise, it's very simple. The bass mm-hmm. is pretty pretty wild. But, like, just, like, her vocal performance, she can't help but add, like, tons of style to the song with all the character in her voice and mm-hmm. her singing. Like, her style is just so, um, it's so great. That she just adds a ton to this very si- otherwise simple song. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the the guitar almost forms a drone. Um, yeah. Yes. Where the the general feel of the song is like one chord, and then it's really just the bass that's kind of shaping uh, just a little bit of movement on it. I had said in our last Jagged Little Pill episode that the uh, quality of a Jagged Little Pill song is proportionate to the amount of drum machine and harmonica. And this fits Has neatly it. into that pattern. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I do think that this is kind of like, this is uh, how I would define like good Jagged Little Pill stuff mm. is this, this particular vibe. I read that the drums are sampled from uh, a Soul to Soul song. Hmm. A what now? A uh, Soul to Soul. Um, they were like a, I think they were like an R&B group that um, they sing Back to Life which was like a pretty big hit in the early 90s. Um, anyways, it was a song called Courtney Blows from their 1990 <laughs> album, Volume 2, 1990, A New Decade. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- that's what the internet says anyways on the Who Sampled page. Oh, okay. The general sentiment of this song is everything is going to be fine. That's kind of the, that's the, the way that she concludes each chorus. Um, this is a sentiment that is pretty widespread in pop music. And I've kind of been thinking about this lately, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about it. At this point in your life, and with just the state of the world in general, what do you think of this sentiment in a pop song? Just the idea, everything is going to be okay. For me personally, um, it's not generally something that I look for in a song as a, someone who doesn't pay attention to lyrics, um, but be like, um, I'm generally a positive person, um, usually. And, um, I don't know. It's just like, I guess I find positivity in any music that I like, even if it's dark or sad. Um, but as far as like, um, using that sentiment in a song, um, it's just hard for me right now, uh, in 2020, um, it's, I just struggle with, um, even though I am generally a positive person and I have good things going in my life, um, 
it's a hard uh the idea of everything ending up okay considering what's uh going on um is that based on a doubt that everything is going to be okay or is that based on an understanding that complacency is uh something to be avoided right now shit uh good question (laughs) i hadn't thought uh about it that way um it's probably uh the latter for me like um because i do know deep down that everything um will end up okay eventually um i feel that um and especially for like um, my own self and my friends and the people that i know and love um but yeah, I guess it does come from a place of um yeah, complacency being um a bad thing right now. Um cool, and I think we all sort of recognize and know that you're a positive person based on your ratings for the songs that we've covered to this point <laughs> and your ability to find positive qualities in them. Yeah. <laughs> um no, this is a uh, I think this is a great um point of discussion. In that, um, I think it's like it's hit or miss, and at, at this point, and if you miss, you're gonna miss terribly. Like, if you're gonna try at this point, well, I, and I guess it's probably not fair for a song that was written in 1995 uh, to hold it to today's standards of you know what's going on with everything. But because um, with, with everything, we just mean coronavirus the trump presidency yes fascism pandemic okay yes yeah um and i don't think in 1995 you ever could have guessed that things would have gotten this bad in Mm -hmm. in the broadest sense in that sort of way um that being said i don't think that there are a lot of songs where i hear a literal message of like everything's going to be fine and feel feel it like hmm. for the most part um i get that feeling from other songs that comfort me that aren't necessarily like that literal um can you think of songs like that can you think of songs that tell you like everything is going to be okay without explicitly saying it hmm. no, I, I i i can say i guess just to get it like that's what i turn to yola tango for um and and they don't have to explicitly say it but like if i listen to the first track on i can hear the heart beating as one like it's like an immediate like okay here's a song that's been with me through like all of the biggest changes in my life and it always promises calm and stability and it'll always be there and like that's that's what i go to like if i feel unstable yeah yeah i mean it's the exact same thing with me and rem like that's why i love Mm -hmm. rem so much like that everything about them just kind of like puts me at ease it soothes me calms me down um and uh and i'll I'll, yeah i'll always have that connection for them that's very comforting Hmm. i guess for me that's death cab for cutie uh the classic Hmm. albums of theirs um and even like radiohead like i mean i guess for me (laughs) it's just like my you know like the uh, you know putting it that way al the way that you just described it like for me that would be the albums that are like incredibly important to me in that um 
were there for me when going through like major shifts or like important things. Um, at a younger age, um, you know, kind of like growing into who I am now and like, yeah, that would be, you know, like transatlanticism by death cab and, um, okay computer and, uh, pet sounds by beach boys. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Discovery yeah, I guess by Daft Punk. Like there, one thing that I've realized is there are a lot of different categories of songs that say everything is going to be fine. I mean, if you think about just like some some really typical ones, I mean, there's like "Don't Stop" by Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, like "The Middle" by uh, Jimmy Eat World. There's uh, "Don't Worry, uh, Be what, Happy." Uh, don't worry be yeah. happy there's um the bob marley one which mm-hmm. is codenamed it's not uh, actually don't worry about a thing because every it's, little it's, thing is gonna be all right yeah called three little birds it's called three little birds so i i think that on the negative side the message can be like like don't worry fortunate things are gonna happen to you sort of like fortunate events will take place which seems like it could come from I mean, I don't want to politicize this too much, but like, it's kind of like a privileged perspective, right? It's like, um, when I was thinking about the dark side of this, I thought about U2's song, Daddy's Gonna Pay For Your Crashed Car, which is an okay song and an amazing lyric. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think that there are ways that that this this sentiment can work really well and i think you have to go sort of to the rolling stones school of uh you can't always get what you want but if you Mm -hmm. try sometimes you just might find you get what you need it's kind of like the idea that uh it's not always about like being okay or everything being okay it's not always about like good events happening or what you want happening but it's about you going through some kind of like moral growth or um some kind of like emotional reconciliation with the way things are that like makes you a more grounded and grateful person or something like that. Um, and I like that sentiment a lot. And I actually kind of think that that's what Alanis is doing here. She's got a couple lyrics where she kind of contrasts like wants and needs. Like she says, I'm short, but I'm healthy. I'm lost, but I'm hopeful. Um, that I kind of like thought like conveyed like, okay, this is like a mature idea of like, everything is going to be fine. It's like, basically like, you know, I'm healthy and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have like my basic human needs met. And I, I respond to that. I think that's a comforting thought. Can I say, um, I'm a little surprised that, um, it, it sounds like your main takeaway, Al, um of the lyrics uh of this song are you know uh you just you just described it well uh, like a mature uh take on everything uh, like big big picture your needs are going to be met yeah um i uh reading through the lyrics myself and like um doing some digging around um on the internet like i was kind of more in the boat of like um, I, a lot of what I read was like speculation that it was, uh, sarcasm. Um, huh. but I also read, um, like, uh, and, and agree with like, um, the themes of the song being like non nonconformity, um, duality, self-acceptance and like, uh, just contradiction. Um, mm-hmm. and like, I, that just kind of added a lot of weight to the 
um, to the song for me. And like, Mm -hmm. it totally makes sense. Like just kind of like, um, dealing like maybe not necessarily everything is going to be, you know, um, you know, end up with the sun coming up and the flowers growing and everything happy and pretty, (laughs) but like Mm -hmm. accepting, you know, where things are going and just kind of like, you know, uh, accepting who you are, um, in that. And, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I was really pleasantly surprised to, um, find that that resonated with me. Yeah. And we're, uh, we're going to talk about her follow-up album, supposed former infatuation junkie. And, um, that album, I think builds on those themes a lot. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but remind uh, we'll have to remind ourselves of this when we talk about the song that I would be good, um, and also mm-hmm. I guess of of uh, of thank you, mm-hmm. um, which she's just got a lot of songs that are about self acceptance and also mm-hmm. about sort of like understanding, um, it, it, almost like being grateful for pain and uh, understanding that. Uh, I don't know, under, understanding that needs are, uh, you know, even if you're not getting what you want, your, your needs might be being met. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Trav, you look like you have something to say. I do. I, um, I know we're supposed to be focused on uh, hand in my pocket here, but I feel like I missed my opportunity to have said the two sort of extreme outliers in this uh, sort of field of song type here. Yeah, um, let's do it. I have more for that too. The worst offender of this, uh, and a song that disqualifies any movie that where it shows up in the credits, the, the closing credits is I can see clearly now. Mm, mm-hmm. This is like the worst of the worst, right? I don't know. Like I, I, I hear this song that. a lot when I was a kid and I kind of still like it. Oh no. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. no, 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 no. Do it. Do it. Cause I, I'm, I'm going to crap on some stuff that you guys like too. Okay. Yeah. It just like, um, Man, it, it, I compare that to like using the title of a phrase that a movie is is uh like when they say the name of the movie in the movie and uh-huh. I'm like, "Oh boy, all right, I'm, I'm leaving." <laughs> um like Those it's the royal same thing. Tenenbaums, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My I, I don't know where I was going with that. I was trying to make something work and it wasn't going to work, so I'll, yeah. I'll just stop. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it gets through, you know, some kind of epic battle scene and then, like, everything calms down and the sun shines. And, like you mm-hmm. said, Colin, like, the sun shines and then flowers are mm-hmm. growing and mm-hmm. I can see clearly now hits and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, Yeah, and God, then a little like, accordion comes in. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so, the worst for me. Wait, um, is it worse? I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you feel so, I mean, unintentionally going to make you feel so bad about this. Uh, um, on rainy days, my dad used to take me and my brother to the movies <laughs> oh, and I at least have, for some reason, I remember this happening multiple times, but I feel like I at least have one memory of a rainy day going to the movies with my dad, which was always just a sweet memory, getting in the car, probably to go to Bill Knapp's in Ann Arbor to get chicken fingers and that song coming on the radio. Kill me. I'm sorry. I deserve that. <laughs> Travis, do you think that song is worse than Lullaby by Sean Mullins? Yeah, Lullaby Rocks. Oh, dear God. 
Well, if I doesn't rock, but I do like it. It's gonna be all right. And then he says rockabye, not lullaby. Yeah, yeah. yeah what's up with that? Hilarious. Can't even, can't even name the, the song right. I googled. I googled. Rockabye. I googled Sean Mullins rockabye and was like. Oh, the song is actually called Lullaby, <laughs> uh, and it is terrible. Sorry, Travis. No, it's that's got sort of like a Meet Virginia talk sing verse, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. it's like full on like yeah, spoken uh-huh. word verses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't remember how that one goes. The um, uh, the other, but uh, I I do love the. She smokes a pack a day. Oh wait, that's me. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh another another uh everything is going to be all right sentiment uh in a song um and al i feel like you recently were talking mad shit about this album uh Uh a previous episode is the song uh it's everything's not lost by coldplay which is the closer Mm. on parachutes Mm -hmm. um which is a fine a fine song i don't love it but I actually edited out a lot of my Coldplay shit talk from that episode. You did? Should I do it again here? (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Um, one one really positive one that I had that that does uh work really well for me, where everything's going to be all right, is kind of an obscure soul song called Rolling Down the Mountainside by the Main Ingredient. And... Hmm. um, Man, I love this song. My dad put it on a mix CD for me. And the uh, chorus basically says, um, because we're not stones rolling down a mountainside, we all count and we've got strength and we've got pride because God is on our side. And then there's like these great soul sort of like backup, um, you know, vocals saying, repeating God is on our side. And it's not like, like a religious sort of God is on our side thing. It's just like, you know, the universe is on our side, like a powerful sort of like positive energy that I really love. And every time I hear that song, I'm really like, I don't know, encouraged. Yeah. That's curious. Cause when I hear that lyric, I think of the incredibly bitter anti-war song by Bob Dylan, um, where he goes through each war and talks about how God was on our side, you know, in our perspective as we were, killing the native americans and uh all that yikes so uh i i just recently discovered we're getting way off topic now but i just recently discovered because i've been kind of interested in daniel lanois uh production and recording work um the neville brothers ended up doing a uh version of the dylan song with god on our side that i find really really striking um on one of their uh 80s or early 90s albums and i definitely recommend that you look into it uh the only other songs that i thought of were um when i was a teenager i really loved gravity rides everything by modest mouse Mm -hmm. which has kind of like the lyrics it all will fall right into place they of course went on to uh amplify that and sort of uh dumb it down a little bit on float on i mean gravity rides everything is awesome though yeah yeah that was a nice song and and it's got kind of a meditative feel to it which Mm -hmm. i feel like added to the emotion and um another one dry the rain by beta band um which i i really like the end of that song i find it really uplifting i'm not sure i've ever felt that way about that song and i'm pretty familiar with it i I think that's a great song but i never felt any kind of you know 
that that sort of vibe from it. Uh huh. Um, and I had mentioned the middle, and the middle is a pretty corny song by Jimmy Eat World, but the sentiment behind it is basically like you're, you know, um, you're in the middle of the ride. Uh, everything will be all right, which I, I do like that as a lyric, like primarily aimed at young people, like just basically saying like there's a certain amount of chaos as you're kind of figuring your shit out. And uh, it's good to know that you're in the middle of that and that, you know, that does end. So I I, I, I don't know if I had a, a teenage child, I would I would put that on a, a playlist for them. Awesome I, solo too. I never was a true Jimmy Eat World fan. I never really mm. knew the albums before that. Um, but the middle was the song that I liked hearing on the radio. The guitar solo is incredible. Agreed with you, Travis. Um, another song that I just thought of um, that is particularly timely and relevant um, would be All Right by Kendrick Lamar. Um, also a very oh, yeah. um, mature and like not so shiny and like um uh you know like uh naive obviously Mm -hmm. like very you know steeped in reality um a reality that um you know not none of the three of us really have to deal with what you want you a house you a car 40 acres and a mule a piano a guitar anything see my name is lucy i'm your dog Motherfucker, you can live at the mall. I can see the evil, I can tell it. I know it's illegal, I don't think about it. I deposit every other zero, thinking of my partner. Put the candy, painting on a regal, digging in my pocket. In a profit, big enough to feed you every day. My logic, get another dollar just to keep you in the presence of your chico. Ah! I don't talk about it, be about it. Every day I seek you. If I got it, then you know you got it. Heaven, I can reach you. Um, in our personal lives. and um, But yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't think of that song before. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you thought really, of it. Yeah. That's a great call. Uh, and it's a, it's a ripper. Um, Pitchfork's the, song of the decade, right? I think so. Yeah. Yep. The only other thing, uh, two other observations, you know, when I was talking about her conversational style, part of that's a casual approach to rhyme. You know, if we think mm. that the end of each chorus is going to rhyme with fine, there's only one uh, one lyric that actually does rhyme. It's like making a peace sign. You know, she ends each chorus saying what she's doing with the other hand. Mm-hmm. And um, she's got hailing a taxi cab and playing a piano. And she's like kind of throwing the absence of rhyme in our face, which um, is actually something that I associate with Stephen Malkmus. Although, of course, Stephen Malkmus was generally doing this later. But like he does a lot of that on Brighten the Corners by pavement where like he sets up a rhyme and he'll even lead you to the end of the line following it 
thinking like, oh, this rhyme's going to slot right in perfectly. And then he'll just throw in something that doesn't rhyme at all, um, which is, you know, kind of smart assed. Um, but I love that album. But uh, yeah, um, I thought that that was curious. And also, I read that this was the theme song for the unaired pilot of Dawson's Creek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that, too. It seems like a great fit. Um, yeah, could have gone either way. Yeah, I don't want to wait and uh, hand in my pocket. Either one works really well. I don't want to wait was Paula Cole, correct? Yeah. Yes. Good song. Really good song. Hmm. Catchy chorus. Yeah. Yeah. I never watched Dawson Creek. uh, Dawson's Creek. Neither did I. I did. It was good. Travis, better or worse than uh, Degrassi, the next generation? Um, Different, I know. (laughs) That was going to be your answer, wasn't it? No, no. I mean... I, I was just going to say better, <laughs> but I mean, like, <laughs> like technically better. production, production yeah. value. Yeah. I, I, it's Fair. not nearly Acting. as, nearly as lovable as Degrassi, yeah. but gotcha. like, yeah, gotcha. it's just, I mean, yeah, it's a, a technically better show. You're going to have to tell uh, Marlena to update the, uh, tell me all your thoughts on pod, um, bingo sheet. Um, because I'm going to try to mention Degrassi in that every episode moving forward. I'm here for All it. All right. Uh, the music video is kind of cool. It's directed by Mark Core, who we've actually run into numerous times. He directed virtually all the Green Day videos. So he did Longview and When I Come Around. Really? That's interesting. Um, AQ favorite, uh, Good Riddance. Um, <laughs> Just a Girl by Jesus. No Doubt. Um, the Distance by Cake, which we'll be covering before we know it, and uh, Volcano by next week's mm. um, guest, the Presidents of the United States of America. Um, any observations about the video? I think it's the best music video we've seen so far. I, huh. I was just so floored by the music video, and I think I vaguely remember it um, from uh you know seeing it as a kid um but man like it's just beautiful it's like just um the the way it messes around with depth depth of field is really cool Mm -hmm. um i mean they're just the quality of footage um it just like looks really beautiful and i mean i think what i watched on youtube was like a what like a a 4k remaster whatever and like i mean it just looked awesome um Mm -hmm. and uh yeah nothing to it i just i just think it's a really beautiful looking music video Mm -hmm. yeah i agree um it was really good for a single watch i'm not sure how like rewatchable it Mm -hmm. is if it's Mm -hmm. one of those things where you continue to watch it over and over if like you pick out different things but yeah it's not at all how i remembered it Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I guess I don't know how I remembered it, mm-hmm. but, um, it wasn't, you know, basically like a parade. Um, yeah. and the yeah, high- so it's a parade in Brooklyn. Yeah. Homecoming. Mm-hmm. A homecoming uh, I, I had trouble, uh, I had trouble figuring, you know, I'm always trying to parse out how these things are shot and I was kind of thinking, well, it's impossible that she would be lip syncing in the midst of this entire parade. So I was kind of, when I looked more closely, I thought probably the shots that are lip synced appear to have been shot separately, probably Mm -hmm. like she's in a car with I I can't remember a guy in a top hat or something like that. And I think that there, there are only a handful of shots where she's actually lip syncing. Um, and I think when there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the background, 
she's generally just standing there. Um, but everything looks seamless. I mean, it all looks certainly like it's taking place in the same location at the same parade. And it's all kind of slow motion, too. So, I yeah. mean, whatever was mm-hmm. lip-synced must have been um, coordinated pretty well to do that. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, the, that's curious. The high point for me was the uh, harmonica solo in the middle, mm. where it's just a, a straight shot on her, and then people crossing left and right in front of and behind her. While she's yeah. playing, right? Yeah, she, yeah. She plays so the great. harmonica in the video? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. Does she play the harmonica part on the song, do you think? I, yeah, I would yeah, think sure. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, cool. Cool part. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, she's just got uh, a lot of star power. I mean, she's just yeah. kind of hypnotic to, to watch her sing. Definitely. Agreed. All right, well, let's move on to the album that we're talking about today. We've already talked about uh, Jagged Little Pill. So we decided to move on to our next album. We won't be talking about any singles from her next album. This is her fourth album, but really just her second internationally distributed album. Uh, It's called Supposed Former Infatuation Junkie. It is... uh, 17 songs and 71 minutes yes 17 songs and 71 minutes would you believe she can get 17 songs into 71 minutes i mean that is uh that's really efficient (laughs) 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 um so a couple things about this this is another collaboration with glenn ballard um and i think i found that it was important to to note that the song uninvited came out just before this album came out it was on the city of angels soundtrack i didn't realize that it was before i i always thought it was on the album Um, no no it came out just before and that song is very fresh in my mind um just because i i had rediscovered it and put it on our 89x playlist and i was surprised to find that i think that that song is really the template for most of the album um, yeah, there's another song that has like the exact same kind of piano uh, th- pattern, and like yeah. I think that there are at least two multiple, songs that have the same piano yeah, pattern. Yeah, so it's like a like a three or four note piano pattern, a bit of a drone, heavy production, um, very confessional lyrics, and um, Alanis Morissette had shortly before taken a trip to India and she doesn't necessarily, I didn't find anything that really said that that was a centerpiece of the record, but you can hear, except when she says, thank you, India. Uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm hesitant to say that there's a heavy Indian influence so much as there is a heavy Indian influenced pop music influence. What were your general thoughts about the album? Trav, you have something to say. <laughs> Do I? Um, 
this album is 71 minutes and 17 songs. It's... Uh, I really liked Jagged Little Pill. That's what I have to say about supposed former. <laughs> hey, um, Travis, this so- is what I have to say about the 17 songs in 71 minutes, though. Yeah, okay. The Mars Volta have an album that is five songs <laughs> and 77 minutes long. What say you to that? <laughs> is that the second Mars Volta album? That is, Fra- yeah, Francis yeah. the Mute. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I sold I, it. I, just- <laughs> I sold it very quickly. So this is like, at this point, you know, in 98, she's coming off of like the biggest album in Mm -hmm. music. I mean, like it was enormous Mm -hmm. and I can't tell if she thinks that she can't fail at this point or doesn't care if she does. Um, Mm. it's so bloated. It's, there's just so much, there's so much. And, and I, I do think that there's something admirable about it because like, uh, Going to India and having this uh, uh, spiritual kind of awakening or whatever happened over there clearly influenced her. Like, that was a big influence for the next few years. And I, mm-hmm. I think that there's something valuable in that. And um, it can be, it can be interesting. Um, but musically, there's nothing on this album that happens that grabs me. Um, And the longer it goes on, I found myself getting increasingly hostile um, because it was so long. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's something about maybe the melodic scale that was happening um, because Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, there's the the Eastern influence, the Indian influence. Yeah. Um, When I think of like, Indian influence in rock music. I think about like rock star tropes and cliches. I think about the Beatles going over and getting scammed by the the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and writing mm-hmm. their worst songs, you know, <laughs> within you, without you, uh, love you too, and across the universe. And uh-huh. um, not, I mean, like, you know, I think you can write, like, I, it seems like a Simpsons thing to make fun of, you know, going to, to India and having the spiritual awakening and coming back and, and writing this um, sort of indulgent sort of uh, uh, rock album. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the Beatles and, you know, we could also talk about, uh, you know, Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones mm. or um, some people thought that, you know, like See My Friends by the Kinks had sort of an Indian influence, mostly because it was a drone or Eight Miles High by the Birds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we get into 1998 rock, 1997, 1998 rock, I have a couple examples of things that are actually, I would say, very specifically cashmere uh, influenced. And I, when I listen to this album and when I, when I listen to Uninvited in particular, I hear primarily uh, cashmere. Uh, by Led Zeppelin influence. Wow. 
I can hear that now that you say that, Al. I, I hear that with Uninvited for sure. Yeah. And I would actually add Secret, uh, n- not Secret Samani. I would add Lakini's Juice by Live. You know, that that album is very influenced by supposedly Indian philosophy and stuff like that. Lakini's Juice sounds a lot like Kashmir. And um, I actually, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but um, Alanis made two guest appearances on the Dave Matthews Band album that came out in 1998 before these crowded streets. She did? Which, yes, she did. She sang background vocals on the single Don't Drink the Water, and then she she sang on... She I did. didn't know that. Yeah, and then she wow. she had a, a more th- more featured guest spot on the song "Spoon," which is um it's actually kind of a nice song, but um that album has um this could potentially become problematic, so I have to be really specific about this. It does not have any Indian influences, but uh, it has North African influences, and it has some other Middle Eastern influences. I'm thinking particularly of a song that, I, frankly, I loved when I was a kid, but there's this song called The Last Stop that is um, it's just kind of like an anti-war song, but he, like <laughs> Dave is kind of like... He's kind of riffing on like the Muslim call to prayer. Um, I found evidence for my theory because I was reading an interview with him about that song. So he said, so I thought to turn something like that into a rock song with a heavy Zeppelin-esque style would be quite a challenge. Um, so he is specifically referencing Zeppelin. Um, the one um, point of influence, I guess it became someone that Alanis influenced after this. What I heard in this album a lot was Evanescence. <laughs> um really oh, <laughs> yeah I, I thought a lot of it was very mid-tempo very dreary minor key like yeah it sounded like evanescence and i, I know can't that, even like, remember what evanescence sounds like i just know they were like shit new metal <laughs> yeah um and i know that they they i they were like an influential band for people for a certain age. And so, um, that's, I, I mean, that's, that that's great, but I, I, I just, um, find it to be really, uh, hmm. unpleasant. First off, I just got to throw it in there. A song that I liked that is cheesy and, um, nice is you are, um, it like has a great like jars of clay feel to it <laughs> drum machine or electronic beat 
sentimental acoustic guitar picking totally uh bad but hits a sweet spot for me um the uh non the the non-single that i thought was actually pretty awesome is can't not um which is a great song title and um it is not really a great song title it's a terrible song title but um it uh has like it it reminded me of radiohead um it Hmm. had like um it was like a uh the chord progression i i think it was during the the choruses maybe reminded me of like optimistic and i might be wrong and they're there specifically like those three Hmm. songs all have a very similar guitar tone um i think tuning um and style uh of guitar playing and this song um cannot had that and it just hit me and uh i think it was was really cool a really really cool song cool um all right let's go singles by singles so first of all we've got thank you which uh peaked at modern rock number 12 quill you've said before some supportive things about that song i love it i love thank you i think it is gorgeous um i think it um, so I, it, it's interesting because I feel like my recollection of this album, um, at the time is that it was not, um, well received. And maybe I'm just thinking of that amongst my friends, um, from back then, because reading about it, it sounds like it was critically, like relatively well received. I got that idea too. Uh, yeah, which I was surprised by. Um, I remember like all of my friends who liked Alanis Morissette like hated this album and hated Thank You. Um, I think that there was a lot of hostility towards this music video. Is it which the one in with, retrospect seems uh, a little silly? Is it the one with her standing naked? Yes. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I just remember. Yeah. I remember it not being well liked, and I always liked Thank You a lot, and my passion for it has grown like immensely. Um, I think, uh, I think I like it more than anything from Jagged Little Pill. I guess I would say it's my favorite song of hers. the synth chord like progression is really nice um the melody is awesome throughout um the beat is kind of like a trip hop kind of beat um Uh which is very cool uh like the piano bass kind of thing is really nice too um yeah i i just i really love the music for this song and if we were to cover it it would get at least a 4.5 from me if not a five i like it's it's just it's definitely one of my favorite songs from from this um niche uh during uh this niche of 90s music yeah i don't remember it making much of an impression on me when i was young but um i found that i really liked it 
revisiting it. Uh, the vocal performance is really beautiful. Yeah, and the agreed. chorus is really yes. excellent, and and I like the the general sentiment behind it. Just that she's she's expressing gratitude for um, uh, both positive and negative things in her life, mm-hmm. and um, and and that seems like the most effective expression of whatever kind of inner peace she has found you know before recording this record um so yeah i liked it a lot i'm glad Trav, to hear what'd that. you think of what'd you think of <laughs> he doesn't even want to say anything <laughs> pass joining you hit number 16 on the modern rock chart i had forgotten about this but uh i, I remember hearing it on the radio now i don't it didn't really do much for me I had no I idea good. that there were other singles besides Thank You on this album, to be totally yeah. honest. It's, and yeah. in, in my notes, uh, by joining you, I just have an ellipsis. <laughs> like, because it's, it's the album so continues. It's, yeah, it's so late in the album that I'm just like, oh. Boy. It is okay. super late. The next one, I also, I think I sort of remember hearing it on the radio, Unsent. This was uh, didn't chart on the modern rock charts, but in the top forty, it hit number twenty-one. Any thoughts or any memories of that song? No memories, but I discovered a really great lyric, um, <laughs> and it goes, "Dear Marcus, you rocked my world." <laughs> <laughs> Unsent, I thought was the best song on the album, oh, and I okay. thought it was very sweet, and I really liked it. I, I liked it okay. It it uh sounded more in line with uh Jagged Little Pill than anything else on the al- on on this album, I thought. It's another song about uh like Dave reflecting on things. <laughs> 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 about reflecting on things and finding the positive in uh you know, in all of the problems that came up mm-hmm. and all the dilemmas that they faced. Marcus is code for Dave Coulier. <laughs> <laughs> um so pure p- p- uh, hit number 38 on the pop charts i also thought this was pretty good oh it was a pretty good song uh, like horn samples and uh like toy piano thing uh like there's like some uh interesting weird instrumentation on it that was kind of cool the curious thing about this one was that it started and i thought that it was super sarcastic and then when the chorus hit and the guitar chords came in, it sounded like it was super earnest and mm-hmm. wholesome. And I was just kind of got whiplash from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can think hear Quillen, that. Quillen mentioned something earlier about wondering if like one of her lines, maybe in Hand in My Pocket, was um, sarcastic. And I don't think that she's ever said anything sarcastic. Sarcasm is a form of irony, so. Well, when she writes we'll a song there. about actual irony, <laughs> then uh, <laughs> maybe we could talk about it. Um... Finally, the song that I would be good didn't chart as far as I could tell on either the top 40 or the modern rock charts. Anything about that one? Hmm. Sappy, melodramatic. Nice strings. Just to, just to bring it back to the everything will be okay um, vibe, uh, a couple things that I, I noticed about this song. There's basically, each lyric is structured that I would be good if blah, 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 blah basically saying like i would be okay even if uh i went bankrupt if i lost my hair and youth um which is just another one that's kind of saying um 
you know, uh, she can lose the things she wants and, and still have the things she needs. And I, I appreciated that. I appreciated that sentiment. Uh, one other observation about that song is uh, it's the first time on a major label record that I've heard single coil pickup hum throughout an entire song. Trav, huh. did you notice that? No. I was kind of like, it was kind of refreshing for me personally, just because yeah. I always have single coil pickup hum. You heard it. This is a problem when you play certain instruments. Yeah. In fact, the song fades in the single coil pickup hum before anything happens. There's just like several seconds of hum before she starts singing. It's almost like they treat it like a drone, but trust me, it's not a drone. <laughs> it is just, it's just pickup hum. Huh. other charts should be quick heart is a rock by acdc still at the top of the mainstream rock chart fantasy is still at the top of the the pop chart so let's move on to other observations about the modern rock chart anything that stood out to you the only thing i noticed that was different and interesting was um the inclusion of seaweed the band seaweed um they were uh their single start with uh was at number 38 um this week and um they're uh i believe they were a, a sub pop band um for a yeah. couple of albums in the early 90s um and i actually i think i bought two of those or, or both of the sub pop albums um used somewhere like on cd and they're uh I, I don't really dig them very much. Um, they're like punky grunge, like punky grunge, um, mm-hmm. uh, like pop, like a, a an infusion of like pop punk and, and grunge almost. Um, and then um, they, the, uh, the album that start with is from called Span Away um, was released by Hollywood Records. It was their one and only major label release. And then they put out one more album in 99 on Merge Records, which I did not know that. Um, and this song is pretty okay, punky grunge. Um, uh, my notes uh, say that the song lands somewhere between bubble grunge and mid-tempo pop punk. Um, there are some emo octaves, um, and an emo breakdown or two throughout the song. Um, and, uh, it, it was pretty good. I, I hadn't heard that song. Um, and I, I thought it was pretty okay. And I may check out the album span away, um, in the future. We shall see. Yeah. I saw that they had toured with pavement, which made mm-hmm. me sort of curious about them. The only other thing that I had noted was good intentions by toad, the wet sprocket was on the chart, which, um, uh, you know, is a song that I certainly recognized, and I think most of our listeners would probably recognize. Um, it charted because of its appearance on the Friends soundtrack, and actually it had been recorded in 1992, so this is making a dent in the charts uh, several years after. Um, you know, and it's, it's a pretty good song. It's not uh, one of Toad's best, but uh, it's definitely nice. Good soundtrack, too. Yeah. Oh, the the same friend soundtrack that has the uh hoodie cover of uh oh um 5440 oh is um, that i go blind yeah i go blind yeah 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 that's a canadian band um 
that had originally written I Go Blind, and it's uh, it's a great song and a, a really good album. Um, yeah, I should check that out. Um, I, and the Hootie cover is good. Like I I really liked that when Hootie I was a covers kid. Hootie cover is good. The Friends theme song is good. It's really good. I mean, it's been you know the Rembrandts. It's it's the Friends theme song, but like if you listen to it for what it is, I mean that's that's like Rickenbacker twelve string yeah. like power pop. Take it away from the from the context of um, the show, and it's pretty good. It re- always yeah. reminded me of the Monkees. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. Let's rate this sucker. Who's going first? I can go. Um, hand in my pocket is a good song. I give it three point two five droppings of chicken shit. <laughs> Third, good song. Three point two five. Nice. Yeah. Is it? Is that all right? <laughs> That's just fine. <laughs> I'm going to say good song, four droppings of chicken shit. Wow. I give it 4.25 hands playing the piano. <laughs> yeah, a great song. Great song. I was, I was rooting for it to be a Hall of Famer, I'm going to be honest. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. I think, um, I, yeah, it's probably my least favorite single from Jagged Little Pill. And I, that's not, it's still good, but it's uh-huh. like, I, I think all of the other singles I prefer. Uh, is Alanis Morissette a Nirvana wannabe yet? No. <laughs> all right, let's uh, move on from that. Tell me all your thoughts on Pod as part of the Off Shelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine and check out our sibling podcast, Best Song Ever. Email us about upcoming songs at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. If you email us a question, we'll discuss it at our earliest convenience, or send us comments, memories, corrections, and complaints. If you send comments as a voice memo, we'd love to include them at the end of the show. Listen along with our playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, or watch along on YouTube. You can also join our Facebook group, Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. Uh, I'm excited for next week. Why? Uh, we're talking about Robert Walpole, William Pitt the Younger, <laughs> Benjamin Disraeli. Next week is about the Prime Ministers of the United Kingdom, right? That's that's not right. Oh, I uh, I got things research. I got things mixed up here. Uh, we're talking about the presidents of the United States of America, huh? Yep. Okay, we. Uh, we must be talking about Lump then. Sure. All right. Well, we'll be talking about Lump by President of the United States of America. Uh, bye. Bye. Goodbye.